Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By Vortex Optics. With the VIP warranty, their unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. Learn more at vortexoptics.com. And Quest Nature Tours, offering expert-led small group tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. Explore exceptional journeys around the world at questnaturetours.com. And Beautyo Books, an independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world. Beautyobooks.com. Good morning, afternoon, or evening. Welcome to our show number 950. We're going to start off with one of our favorite things. Actually, three of them this time. Avian audio postcards. Starting off with one from Cecilia in southwest Florida. Hi, Cecilia. Hi, Ray. That's an American crow calling back to another one been doing that for the last 10 minutes there's some other birds in the background but he's definitely the loudest one this is Cecilia from St. Petersburg Florida at John Chestnut Senior Park thank you Cecilia down there in North Pinellas County Florida and now we go way up there to the coast of Maine where Mary Comerford and Chris Bensley have been checking out some very cool seabirds. Hi, Ray. It's Mary up here at Port Clyde. We went out to Easton Egg Rock today to see the puffins, and I'm going to hand it over to Chris. Hello. Good morning, Ray. This is Chris Bensley. Um, We're from Andover, Massachusetts, but we're up here uh, in Maine in Port Clyde. We've just come back from Eastern Egg Rock Island, uh, to celebrate the 50th anniversary of Project Puffin, last night we met Steve Kress, and I'm here with Spark Birding and my friend Peter Alden, and we've just had a great time, and we saw puffins. It was uh, a life moment for many, many of our guests. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris, and thank you, Mary. Up in Maine, and now we go back south again and way farther south than Florida, where one of our Talking Birds team members is doing a little vacation birding. Hi, this is Debbie Bleacher. I'm in Costa Rica at a hotel just outside Manuel Antonio National Park. It's evening, and the birds are starting to make a lot of noise as they settle down to roost. I'm listening in particular to two great kiskadees that are calling back and forth. The great kiskadee is about the size and shape of a kingfisher. It's got a big head and kind of a stocky body. And the yellow underparts, brown on top of the black and white head. Meanwhile, I'm watching an agouti, a, a large rodent, forage in the garden outside my hotel patio. By the way, that low thrumming sound you hear is the ocean. Isn't it wonderful? See you later. Bye. Thank you, Debbie, and thanks again to Cecilia and Mary and Chris. We love listening to these audio postcards and would love to hear more. To make an audio postcard, all you need to do is uh, open up a voice recording app on your phone or other digital recording device, 
Describe the birds you're seeing anywhere, including your backyard, and then send the file to Ray at TalkingBirds.com. That's Ray at TalkingBirds.com. Need help doing it? Well, we're standing by to assist. And that, I believe, is our mystery bird preview of the mystery bird contest. We give the preview so you'll be ready when we do the actual contest and call in promptly because we run out of time sometimes at the end of our show. So we urge you to call in when we give the signal a little bit later on in the show. Our mystery bird is a small shorebird with moderately long legs, a short neck, a brown back, white underparts, and one thick black or brown band on the chest, along with a dark mask and yellowish legs. Our bird, which breeds on mossy or sandy tundra across northern Canada and Alaska and winters along the western and southeastern coasts of the U.S. and down into Mexico, typically searches for prey by running for several steps, stopping, staring, and then snatching insects and crustaceans and worms near the water's edge. That's our mystery bird. We'll do the actual contest in just a little bit. We have a really beautiful, extra special bird feeder from our friends at Brome Bird Care. It's the Mega 600 feeder with an extra large tube that holds nearly two and a half pounds of seed. It's easy to clean. It's chew-proof. It includes the Brome seed ventilation system to keep the seed cool and dry. And it comes with the Brome Lifetime Care Warranty. And we have a bag of our favorite coffee. Delicious, bird-friendly, shade-grown birds and beans coffee. Grown in the shade in the neotropics to preserve habitat and nutritional opportunities for our birds that are heading back there now. Birds and beans coffee. Prizes here on our Mystery Bird Contest coming along just a little bit later on in this morning's show. Here's a salute to more wonderful Talking Birds listeners who have become even more wonderful by becoming members of our Talking Birds Ambassadors family and helping us get the word out about birds and conservation. Thank you to Martha Smith from Memphis, Tennessee. Martha says, I'm basically handicapped now, so can't do much outdoors birding. Also, I live in a condo unit now, and feeding birds is very difficult. Because of that, Your show, as well as other birding podcasts, keeps me connected and gives me ideas about how to work birding into conversations and to spread the word. Thank you so much, Martha. And thank you to a long-distance ambassador, Sim Wood in Dobrovnik, Slovenia. Sim is from the UK, and she's a freelance writer and researcher for Bird Buddies blog page, where she's interviewed folks like actress and activist Jane Alexander, philosopher David Rothenberg, one of our previous guests, Holly Merker, and our own Freya McGregor. We'll be talking more about Sim in the near future. Meanwhile, Talking Birds listeners, we invite you to join about 840 other folks in our Talking Birds Ambassadors family And help us, as Martha said, spread the word about birds and conservation through our show. Joining up and being an ambassador, both really easy. You can sign up right now via the Get Involved tab at TalkingBirds.com, and we hope you will. 
Still to come today, we'll talk with the authors of an inspiring new book called Birding for a Better World. Also today, Mike O'Connor will join us for a Let's Ask Mike segment, almost live from the archive, about protecting against predators through the placement of peanuts, among other things. And up next, a high-canopy-dwelling bird of brilliant blue is today's featured feathered friend, presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Today's featured feathered friend's very name suggests the beauty of the blue sky and describes its color perfectly. Cerulean, the Cerulean Warbler. The male of this species is deep blue above with a white throat and underparts and blue streaking down the sides of the breast. It has a dark band across the throat, a black stripe in front of the eye, and a faint white streak behind the eye. The female cerulean warbler, which is bluish-green above and soft yellow on the breast and belly, sometimes displays an unusual behavior, leaving the nest after sitting for a while and executing what's been described as a bungee jump, dropping from the side of the nest with wings folded and free-falling for a fair distance before opening her wings and taking flight. While the cerulean warbler's beauty is unmistakable, the bird is often hard to see because it nests and forages higher in the canopy than most other warblers, and it's getting harder yet to see for a more disturbing reason. The cerulean warbler is a species of highest concern due to a small total population size and significant declines throughout its range over most of the eastern half of the U.S. The International Union for Conservation of Nature lists the species as near-threatened. Conservation efforts are being focused on forestry practices like selective logging to create the kind of canopy gaps best suited for the bird. The cerulean warbler has a literary claim to fame. It was used as a plot device in Jonathan Franzen's 2010 novel, Freedom. And yes, Jonathan Franzen is a birder, quite an accomplished one. The cerulean warbler, Cetophica cerulea. Today's Talkin' Birds, featured feathered friend. Welcome again. It's our show number 950. Molly Adams and Sidney Golden Anderson are the authors of a new book called The Feminist Bird Club's Birding for a Better World. And they're joining us now via Zoom with uh, Molly from the Catskills in Sydney in Colorado to tell us about it. Good morning, Sydney and Molly. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Great to have you with us. So let me start with this. At the start of uh, Chapter 1, titled The Basics of Birding, you define birding as the simple act of enjoying wild birds, and you credit our colleague Freya McGregor for that definition. So, uh, Molly, I wonder if you'd tell us more about the idea of using the term birding instead of birdwatching. 
Sure. Um, when I first saw Freya share her de definition, um, it really resonated with me and I think so many others because it includes a multitude of ways of interacting with birds that are not limited by physically seeing them or even identifying them. Um, it really widens the net of what the term birder might have meant in the past to some people. Mm -hmm. So that first chapter would be certainly of interest to new birders with tips on useful birding tools, binocular technique, how to use habitat in looking for birds, ideas about understanding plumage and learning songs, and then you debunk some birding myths. Sydney, I wonder if you could highlight uh, two or three of those myths for us. Absolutely. Um, a few notable myths that we'd like to debunk are, one, birding is often mistaken as just an activity for people of older generations, and we'd like to debunk that myth by affirming that birding is for people of all ages, abilities, and identities, and that birding belongs to all of us. Two, you don't have to have fancy equipment to begin birding. All you need is a desire to spend time in nature and observe birds however is best for you. And three, yes, you can call yourself a birder, even if you're a beginner. <laughs> All right, beautiful. So, Molly, interspersed throughout the book are journal prompts, so we can enter comments into the book itself. Tell us a bit about those prompts, if you would. Yeah, I, I think the journal prompts are a really interesting element of the book because they encourage the reader to interact with its content and co-create it with us. They ask you to consider things like, how did it feel when you were able to identify a bird for the first time and what initiatives to advocate for environmental resilience are part of your local community. So the reader's answers add a meaningful layer of reflection and connection as well as action to the material. Um, we also have a form on our website where people can submit their responses and we really look forward to reading any of those responses. Okay. Well, I spoke with a friend just the other day who told me that when he was a very new birder, he joined a group for a bird walk and that the very tall, imposing leader of the group approached him very close up and demanded to know what he knew about birds. And my friend was so intimidated, intimidated by this that he said he didn't go birding with a group again for several years. So you open the book with a welcome that says, in part, that the bedrock ethos of the feminist bird club is that birding is for all of us. And in the book's second chapter called Better Birding, uh, you address inclusivity and accessibility uh, in the outdoors. Uh, Sydney, tell us a little bit more about that ethos, if you would, and maybe address what bird groups do wrong in regard to those things and about some of the solutions that you offer. Sure thing, Ray. Well, first of all, I wanted to say that Feminist Bird Club recognizes that no event is going to be accessible for every single person all of the time. Mm -hmm. But we do hope that our book can help organizers of events of any kind to consider what needs they may not be meeting and find ways to accommodate those needs. And some tangible examples of that are... Um, First of all, when writing event descriptions, uh, specifically for events in the outdoors, be sure to include information about trail accessibility, right? Is the trail ADA accessible or not? Are there bathrooms available with accessible stalls? Are there places to rest along the way if necessary or not? These are all really important considerations that many people need in order to know if an event is right for them. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to mention is that we also encourage 
all of our chapters to make an effort to organize events by and for certain groups of people. So, for example, the Sonoma chapter recently held an event for non-binary and trans birders. And um, in addition to that, New York City and Chicago chapters have regular partnership events with groups like Hike Club and the Brown People Foundation that really prioritize space for folks who are black, brown, or indigenous. And then many feminist bird club chapters like Durham, FBC, Massachusetts, and Philly, they will host big sits or picnic birding, which are great opportunities for folks with limited mobility or and or energy. Um, and then Feminist Bird Club as an organization will often prioritize a lot of online events like virtual birding, where we'll um, get together in community online and watch Cornell bird cams. And those are always really joyful and fun. Really interesting about the about the club and and Sydney. If you were to give a sort of one sentence definition of what the feminist bird club is, what would you say? Um, sure. Yeah. So our our main goal is to make birding in the outdoors inclusive and affirming affirming and joyful to people who may not otherwise have had safe access to it, and to support people's passion for the environment and social justice to help create lasting change through mutual aid, fundraising, and action. Wonderful. Finally, let me ask you, Molly, about the book's final chapter, Birding Together, Finding Joy and Community in Nature. And I wonder if you would read just a a snippet of that. Sure. This is my favorite chapter of the book, so I'd be honored to read a little bit. Um, What makes you feel safe while birding in community? The answer is likely different for everyone, but for former FBC Secretary Akila Lewis, She said, I feel safest birding with people who allow me to be my true authentic self. FBC board member Megudipa Mehdi responded with sincerity, I feel safest in birding spaces that equally prioritize the well-being of birds and birders and where I don't have to incessantly defend my values and my emotions, justify my ownership of the labels I identify with, or apologize for expressing my needs. I want all of us to be able to learn and grow together no matter where we are in our birding journeys. Mm-hmm. Molly Adams and Sydney Golden Anderson are co-authors of The Feminist Bird Club's Birding for a Better World, a guide to finding joy and community in nature. Molly and Sydney, thank you for joining us, and good luck with the book. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Ray. Molly Adams and Sydney Golden Anderson here on Talking Birds. And up next, our mystery bird contest in just one minute. The flutter of a tail feather, the flash of a wing bar in mid-flight. You don't always have a lot of time to identify a bird in nature, let alone to appreciate its beauty. But with Vortex Optics, you'll have the power to bring every wild moment closer. When you choose Vortex, you're choosing to have a partner in the field as passionate about nature as you are. Whether you're spotting old friends on the backyard feeder or packing for a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip to add a few species to your life list, Vortex offers a full range of optics and optics accessories for every birder and every budget. And whether the birds are taking you to another state or another country, you're always covered by the Vortex VIP warranty, an unlimited lifetime promise to keep you and your optic covered. If you'd like to learn more or if you need help choosing your next optic, Give Vortex a call at 1-800-4-VORTEX or visit vortexoptics.com. What we have here is our mystery bird and the actual contest now underway. 
Our mystery bird is a small shorebird with moderately long legs, a short neck, a brown back, white underparts, one thick black or brown band on the chest, a dark mask, and yellowish legs. Our number is 781-837-4900. And I'll give that again in a moment in case you missed it. We have an extra special bird feeder from Brome Bird Care. It's the Mega 600 Feeder. As our first prize on our mystery bird contest, this holds nearly two and a half pounds of seed. It even includes the Brome Seed Ventilation System to keep the seed cool and dry and the Brome Lifetime Care Warranty. Plus a 12-ounce bag of our favorite coffee, delicious, bird-friendly, shade-grown birds and beans coffee. Prizes on our mystery bird contest, and if we have time for our bonus question, we'll also try to give away a feather-friendly bird window collision kit to make sure the windows on your house are not going to have birds crashing into them. 781-837-4900 is the number to call here on our Mystery Bird Contest. We're about to hear a message not of interest to all, but maybe of great interest to somebody from our friends at Beautio Books. And for our Let's Ask Mike segment, just ahead, we'll reach back to an installment from 2020 in which David Clapp was our show guest, and we'll hear Mike zinging David a little bit, consistent with their famous ongoing feud. Let's ask Mike in just one minute. Have you ever dreamed of owning a bookstore? Beauty of Books, a fixture in the birding community for over 50 years, is for sale. With our unique blend of high-tech and old-fashioned customer service, Beauty of Books has remained successful and strong. This thriving business offers the largest selection of new, used, and rare bird books in the world and needs only a new owner who's passionate about birds and books. If you or someone you know would like more information, contact us at customerservice at beautyobooks.com. Thanks. Quest Nature Tours has offered exceptional tours for bird and nature lovers since 1970. In 2023, join us in search of colorful bird life and jaguars in Brazil or on our brand new Zambia Safari. See amazing wildlife and explore habitats with travel companions who truly enjoy nature. Talking Birds listeners receive a $150 credit towards their first tour. Visit QuestNatureTours.com today. Birds and much more. Guaranteed. Time to connect with Mike O'Connor down there on beautiful Cape Cod at the Bird Watchers General Store. And good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning, Ray. Did, did um, David Clapp say if you look at a map of the United States, a 70 million year old map, he must be older than I thought. <laughs> I- <laughs> he was holding the map. You know, we did this on Zoom, so I could <laughs> so see David. He took it out of his glove box. And yeah. He lifted up this thing with these really raggedy kind of edges on it. And I thought, <laughs> I wonder what that is. And uh, I guess you have figured it out. Yeah, I figured yeah. it out. I knew it. Yeah, he, but he, he's holding up well. He is. He's not here to defend himself against all of these attacks right now, but we'll uh, give him a chance another time uh-huh. to, uh, to retaliate. But meantime, uh, one of our listeners in uh, Connecticut Sarah uh, contacted, uh, did she contact us or contact you? I guess she contacted us asking you about these Cooper's hawks, or she thinks maybe they're sharpshins. She's not sure, but she is sure they're causing trouble in her backyard. And this is kind of an age-old problem. Not as old as David's map, but still pretty old. So uh, people ask this all the time. What's What do you say? 
Well, yeah, hawks. Uh, two, uh, two famous hawks for attacking backyard birds are uh, Coopers and Sharps and Hawk. Both of those hawks, the population has increased the last couple of decades, mainly because we got, finally got rid of DDT back in the 70s, but also our habitats changed. We have more trees, and those birds are woodland birds, so they're, they're taking advantage of the habitat, but they're also taking advantage of the food that we offer in our backyard. And it can be distressing for people, um, and there's a whole bunch of thoughts of what to do. Some people just say, keep the feeder birds wild and on their toes and don't do anything and, and you know, root for the hawks if you want. It's still a bird. Mm. So, but that doesn't work for everybody. Nobody wants to lose a cardinal or a bluebird. So the other thought is just remove your feeder. Nobody wants to do that either, especially a guy who sells bird seed for exactly. a living. But if you, sometimes these, these attacks are temporary. The hawks are moving about, and if you remove the feeder, the birds move about, and they, they clear your area for maybe a week or two, then you can put them back, and sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. I've tried both of those, and they, they both seem to come back. What I do, my feeders are kind of in a, a wooded area, and you can move your feeders to a more, more wooded area because these birds move fast and they fly quickly. And if there's obstacles in their way, it slows them down and makes their presence known. And so you can move your feeders to a more sheltered area. A lot of people don't want to do that because they have them in the open where they can see them, and also it keeps the squirrels away. So that's kind of a trade-off. But my last suggestion is what I do when the hawks become a problem is I, I go and I put out peanuts, peanuts in the shell. I go buy these, like, with the baseball players eat or the used to eat in the circus you used to buy when you could go to, like, a, a an event, a baseball game. Yeah. And put those out on a tray, a scatter them about, and that'll bring in crows and blue jays. And these two birds hate hawks. They'll sound the alarm. They'll scream. They'll alert not only the birds in your yard, but every bird within a seven-mile radius of what's going on. <laughs> so if there's a Cooper's or Sharpton hawk patrolling the area, they'll get wind of it, and they'll scream, and all the other birds will be on alert. So that's what I do. I, I, I actually draw the big birds that people complain about, crows and jays, oh, the bully birds. But that protects the other birds with this sound the alarm. All right, Mike O'Connor there, the famous bird watcher's uh, general store on Cape Cod. For over a quarter century, Birdwatching Magazine has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Whether you enjoy birds in your backyard or far afield, you'll find information in every issue to help you find, attract, identify, and understand birds. Regular contributors include Ken Kaufman, David Sibley, Pete Dunn, Laura Erickson, and other birding experts. Learn more at birdwatchingdaily.com. Oh yeah, mystery bird. Back to the mystery bird. Contest, a small shorebird with moderately long legs, a short neck, a brown back, white underparts, one thick black or brown band on the chest, a dark mask and yellowish legs. What is it at 781-837-4900? And Lucas is in the great state, uh, the Wolverine state of Michigan. Good morning, Lucas. Good morning, Ray. Big Good. fan of the show, and I'm also an ambassador. So, Well, thank you for both of those things. And do you like the Wolverine State or the Great Lakes State? You know, I like the Wolverine State because I'm a Michigan fan. So, Yeah, indeed. And, and did I read somewhere that a Wolverine was spotted there recently, or am I making that up? Uh, not that I know of, no. but we would love to have them come back. <laughs> All right, we'll work on it. What do you say about the mystery bird uh, right there, Lucas? My guess is semi-palmated plover. That's a heck of a guess. 
even though I say plover and you say plover, but it's okay. Yep. That's all right. We have a little different accent in Michigan. <laughs> uh, I was going to say we'll have time for a mystery uh, for a bonus question, but I don't think we will because we have another special announcement to make. So, uh, Lucas, thank you so much. Just stand on the line. We'll get your info. Yeah, thanks, Ray. All right, Lucas in Michigan correctly identifying the semi-palmated plover or plover. So that other thing I wanted to announce, it's the winner of our big binocular giveaway. Could we have a drum roll, please? Open the envelope here. And the winner is Gordon Lamb from Hereford, Arizona. Yeah. Or Furford. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing that town quite right, but I think you'll forgive me. Gordon has won that Vortex Viper HD 8x42 binocular. That's uh, by virtue of the drawing that we did among the most recent Mystery Bird contest winners. So we'll be sending that beautiful binocular or pair of binoculars, if you like to say it that way, from our friends at Vortex out to Gordon in Arizona. And that wraps up our show pretty much for this morning. Next week on our show, the American Bird Conservancy's Brian Lenz and Joanna Eccles talking about the wonderful new Bird City Network. Thanks for being with us. See you next week. The Bird Show, I like that. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. BirdWatchersGeneralStore.com By Vortex Optics With the VIP warranty Their unlimited lifetime promise To keep you and your optic covered Learn more at VortexOptics.com And Quest Nature Tours Offering expert-led small group tours For bird and nature lovers since 1970 Explore exceptional journeys around the world At QuestNatureTours.com And Beautyo Books An independent, family-owned bookstore carrying one of the largest selections of birding books in the world, beautyobooks.com.